welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 107 for Saturday the 30th of June 2018. And you may hear a whirring in the background today. That's because it is really hot in the UK today. And I will expire if I do a podcast diary in my study without my fan on. So I have it to my right-hand side here, perched on a box. And uh, we'll just have to settle for it this week, I'm afraid. It's really, really hot in here. And the sun comes around my study in the afternoon as well. So it's like being in a greenhouse at this time of day too. I do apologise if you could hear that in the background. I've just finished my writing. I did wonder whether it might be a bit hot and sticky today, but I have managed to get the writing done with the help of my trusty fan. And I've got 5,000 words done today. So in theory, that's the, that's me hit my 70,000 word deadline. But because I overwrite, we're actually up to 74,000 words now. This is a 90,000 word book. So by the time it's finished, it's probably going to be about 95,000 words. And it will be edited down and tightened up, of course. So my word count today was 5,051 words. I just squeezed it in over the finishing line there. I have days like that where I just get to my, I just get over my target. I'm determined to get it over the target. So 5,051 words today. Um, I said to you last week in the diary that I thought I might write yesterday. So I'm recording this on Friday afternoon and I thought I might, I had a free day yesterday on Thursday, but I've been away this week. So I did one day's uh, salaried work on Monday and then jumped on a train on Monday after work, arrived in Peterborough. It was about 11 o'clock, I think, on Monday evening, and then spent the next two days at a podcast course, which I'll tell you about in a moment or two. And then I left the podcast course at five o'clock and got back into Carlisle at 10 o'clock on Wednesday night. And I had thought, oh, um, I've got a free day on Thursday, I'll get up. And, and do some writing. But to be honest with you, I was so far behind with uh, just needed to do replies and catch up with being away for two days and uh, also quite tired that I just thought, do you know what? I don't have to write today. Um, that, that was going to be an extra day that I was going to squeeze in. So I had a very productive day catching up yesterday, but I didn't decide um, to write. And as I say, I had squeezed that day in. I'm perfectly fine for writing days. I've got uh, two days writing next week that are scheduled. I have one day uh, the week after. And the day the week after is when it's the end of the uh, summer holidays. I beg your pardon, the end of the summer term, I should say. And everybody breaks up for summer. And that's when this book has to be written in draft, in first draft form uh, by the 20th of July. So plenty of time to do that. And you never know, if I wake up on a weekend really early and feel very invigorated, then I might also squeeze extra writing days in. But I, I know that book is going to, to happen now. It'll happen by the summer holidays, which is great. So um, today, it's going to be quite a long one, so you might want to put the kettle on and get a cup of tea or coffee or whatever your favourite drink is, because I'm going to do the quarter two review. It's the 30th of July, the end of the month when you're listening to this, when I release this episode. So I'll do my uh, quarter two review today, and next week I'll give you my quarter three preview. Uh, plus, I've got lots of general news to tell you as well. So let's start with the, the quarter two review. And I've put a photograph of my uh, planning board. I put that on the show notes for today, if you want to have a look at it. And it's now um, full of ticks, which is how I like it. Everything has been done except one job, which I'm either going to carry forward 
and it'll only be carried forward for a, a week or two if I do, uh, or I'll, I'll get it done this weekend. So there's only one thing left to do, but it's not definitely important. Um, so it, it could get carried forward quite easily. So the first thing, um, quarter two takes us through April, May and June. And the big project, obviously, for April to June was what was then titled Project Bloodhound. And you'll see that on my board. I haven't removed the Project Bloodhound. Now, Project Bloodhound is no longer Project Bloodhound for reasons that I've explained in the last couple of weeks' diaries. But it's still a good book. I really enjoyed the book. Um, it's just not the book I meant to write for Project Bloodhound. I, I do think it's a really good story. I'm very happy with the story. Um, yeah, it's great. I'm very happy with it, but it's not what I want to send to Bloodhound. So what will happen with this one is I'll finish writing it. Um, my targets on the board, I actually think I extended the targets. I don't think I meant to write the 70,000 words, but I've got more words written than I intended to. So um, my board shows that I got to 70,000 words. Uh, that's great. Very happy with that. Managed to get that done over um, two to three months. So the next big project for this quarter was to get my Don't Tell Meg covers completed by Stuart Bache. And Stuart Bache is the book cover designer that Mark Dawson recommends. And if you don't know Mark Dawson, do check out his podcast, Self-Publishing Formula. Lots of great stuff that Mark offers over there. So um, I got those covers done and... Uh, and paid a lot of money for them. So they cost me, uh, again, if you if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that I, silly boy, I, I forgot to budget for the VAT. So there was me thinking, oh, 940 is all right. That feels okay for three covers. That's a good deal. And then, of course, there was um, 20% VAT VAT to put on that as well. So it ended up being about 1,200 and something uh, pounds. So I had to find another 300 that I had budgeted for, um, you know, which is, which is fine. That's just how things are. You win some, you lose some. And uh, I got the covers. And as I say, it wasn't really until I saw uh, the covers in, in sort of 3D, they were flat as I got them, that I, I got sort of really excited about them. And actually, over the past week, I've been listing the covers on on Amazon and on my website. And I'm thinking, they look really good. They look really good in a row, those covers now. Uh, very, very strong, sort of professional, much more classy covers than I could ever produce. So I'm feeling pretty good about those covers. And I say they, they are listed now on Amazon, so we'll see how they convert. We'll see if people sort of like them and continue to buy the books. Um, so that was uh, item number two on my list. Now, item number three was events that I had to do this quarter. So I have spoken at the Amazon Academy in Newcastle. Um, I've got crypto on there. I'm just trying to think what that was. I thought we did crypto. I'm trying to think what the crypto event was. Did we really... I'm sure we did that in the previous quarter, so I can't even remember what that was. <laughs> I'm sure we, we went to a crypto event at, at, UK, at London Airport, but I'm sure that was earlier. No, no, I'm getting mixed up with 20 books, 50K. That's what I'm getting mixed up with. I was thinking, I'm sure that was in February, but that was 20 books, wasn't it? So, yeah, we went to the crypto event in, uh, what was it? It was at Heathrow Airport. Blimey, that feels like it's ages ago now, so quite surprised to see that in this quarter. Uh, I went to Crime Fest in Bristol. And if you remember, I said, well, you know, Crime Fest was fine. It was all right, but I don't think I'll go back there again. The only reason I go back to Crime Fest is if kind of like my thrillers took off and I, you know, I start to rub shoulders with all the, the, the thriller writers. That felt to me like the value of that, really, to go and sort of mix with authors that, you know, I didn't really know a lot of authors there, to be honest with you. But maybe that will change over time. So I think I predominantly go to, you know, to rub shoulders with other thriller authors that I know. And, you know, fingers crossed, touch wood, maybe one of these days I might even get to talk on a panel at Crime Fest. But that, that felt like the prim primary reason for me being at that event. It felt more like an event for readers to me now of course as writers we're also readers so obviously it had some value 
Um, but, but you know, it's a long way. It's a lot of hotel expenses. When you're looking at your year and saying, what am I going to commit to? 20 books, absolutely commit to it without drawing breath. Crime Fest would be my either or kind of pile, as far as I was concerned. And then I've just returned from a podcast uh, mastermind event. And uh, that was really good. You know, I'm pleased I went to that. Uh, th- this, this course that I said I'd spent a lot of money on has a long story. I'm not, I'm not going to bore it with you. Only to simplify it by saying, I bought something, decided that wasn't for me, and they let me switch the, the they let me switch the course element of that to the podcasting course. Because I, when I saw that, I thought, John, that's something I really ought to be doing. And so I've spent the last, or I spent two days this week sort of immersed with people who want to set up podcasts, but also, you know, learning how this um, organization called Progressive Property, how they do their podcasts and the equipment they use and, and you know, just, just really thinking, talking, eating, breathing, living podcasts for two days. And, um, and I'm pleased, I'm really pleased I went actually, because um, what I realized was, uh, I think I was the only person there who had an existing podcast. And boy, talk about currency. When I was saying to people, oh yeah, I've done 200 and I think it's 260 plus podcast episodes now. You know, when you haven't even done episode one of your podcast, that really astonishes people. And when I was saying to people, "Oh, yeah, I've you know I've done two hundred and fifty, two hundred and sixty uh, podcast episodes," and you know I have to say I'm I'm, I'm thinking about whether I'm going to continue the podcast. People was like, "Oh, you know, you've got to you've got to keep doing it. That's just incredible that you've done that many episodes. You know, you can't you can't give that up. You can't stop it." Uh, and so it was very very interesting. You know, I, I went there really to sort of be reenthused and reinvigorated. Not that I'm not enthused and invigorated, but I, I, I kind of I guess I kind of needed to be there. Um, because I wanted to sort of feel that all this kind of time and effort I spend in the podcast, that it's somehow worthwhile. And boy, I got that from, from that event over the last two days. You know, people just kind of astonished. I mean, there was only me. There's the guy, um, Rob Moore, who I highly recommend to you. He's written some great books. You know, I highly kind of recommend you get in his sphere. Now, I originally connected to Rob through property, but actually they do way more things than property, things that you would find interesting. If you check out his podcast called the disruptive entrepreneur it's extremely abrasive <laughs> the music's really abrasive uh, disruptive as rob would call it um but it's a great podcast uh you know i think you'll get a lot of value even as an author from that podcast but um you know rob rob has set up a podcast and i think he's done i mean he has a team doing it for him but he's got 300 and something episodes of things so it's only me and rob in that room who've done anything like that and people who are on day one of a podcast you look at people like us and think you know how the hell did you get that far with your podcast that's amazing so um, if anything it made me sort of appreciate how far i've come and the value of what i've done now they made a pitch at that podcast class and they were they were basically selling podcast setup services to people and the other thing that i realized there was the value of my experience and knowledge so if you think that you know even over rob who was running the class i got 18 years of bbc experience i've done this in studios and had tech ops you know i know it from the broadcast side i've i've recorded and made documentaries you know endless interviews and reports all all this experience that i guess when it's your job when it's your day job you, you somehow um you probably value it less or probably you appreciate it less because you just think that's just what i do as a job um but you accumulate all these skills and they were charging packages from about four thousand pounds to um ten thousand pounds this is minus the vat to to set people's podcasts up and sort of edit the first four episodes and things. So they were charging huge prices for this service. And I thought, wow, um, you know, there, there's something in this. I really ought to, I really ought to be more serious about the experience I've had in podcasting because for somebody who, who doesn't know where to begin with a podcast and all those people in that room, you know, I, I went out for a pint with a lady, um, when we were, we were 
coming back to the hotel for the meal on the Tuesday night and um, was kind of explaining to her all the processes that go into a podcast. And it was like, you know, she was horrified. She ended up buying the, the £10,000 package because for some people, the pain of doing all of that, uh, you know, the learning that you'd have to go through is immense. Whereas for somebody like me, I've done it twice now. You know, I could do it in my sleep. I know exactly um, what to do to set up a podcast. So that, that did get the old... Um, the old brain ticket over thinking, hmm, there's something in this. You know, I do know a lot about this and I should value my experience more. But in short, I'm really pleased I went. It's made me sort of come back, really appreciate the value of what I'm doing um, with the podcast here. So, um, you know, that it's great for that reason alone. Okay, so what else did we do? I did the Amazon Academy. Well, I've got two of my Amazon events on there. I'm trying to remember what the other Amazon was. I can't remember. Anyhow, those are the events. Um, I published Who to Trust, which feels like ages ago now, but I only published it on the 31st of May. So I got a book out in this quarter, which is fabulous. Um, I did my personalized or more personal email promos. I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two because I've got some open rates for you. Now, remember, this all started with me uh, and, and uh, the support I get from that. I ought, I ought to be paying you for therapy. Um, it's like having, it's like having your own audience of, of shrinks, as the Americans call them, or, or, you know, psychologists. So, you know, I come on this podcast and I say, oh, you know, I'm feeling a bit negative about my emails. They're not going very well. And, and Queeve McDonald pops up with some great tips and says, why don't you try it like this? I try it like this. And what do I get? I get some great results. And I've had some great sort of tips, results, resources as a result of the last couple of weeks podcast. So I really ought to be paying you for this because it, it, it's great. It's really great. The advice and the, you know, just things that people tell you. So and this is one of the unseen benefits, by the way, of running a podcast is I've never done anything like a podcast. I say this at the course to people, you know, I've done blogging, I've done all the things, social media, but there is nothing quite like a podcast to build a community. And I think sometimes I probably get a little bit obsessed with the numbers. I, I, you know, I have perfectly satisfactory numbers on this podcast that we do on the crypto one too. But I, I sometimes perhaps am guilty of going numbers crazy uh, and actually not sort of seeing the value of the community that's being formed here. But it, it's really quite remarkable. Uh, the last couple of weeks podcasts have, have shown that the number of people who've reached out in all sorts of different ways. You know, I've had messages on Facebook, Twitter, uh, direct email. I've had them on YouTube. Absolutely remarkable. Um, people sort of, you know, reaching out and uh, just sharing uh, experiences, tips, advice, encouragement, whatever it is. Absolutely remarkable. So if you ever want to build um, a great community, um, start a podcast. I highly recommend it. Okay, so um, the email promos, I'll talk to you about those in a moment, but I've done my personalized promos, and I think I've done them since January, I can't remember, but certainly April, May, and June, I sent out that newsletter personalized promo, which wasn't sell, sell, sell. It was more about what I've been up to. And I've also done um, lots of episodes of the Crypto News Podcast. So the Crypto Podcast, I have um, recorded and released episodes 27 to 43 in this quarter, and Self-Publishing Journeys podcast, as you know, we're kind of on a little bit of a, a go slow at the moment with the interviews. Though I have to say, I don't know how it feels to you, but to me, it still feels like I've been releasing fairly regular interviews, even though they're not happening every week at the moment. Um, but I um, recorded and edited episodes 113 to 119 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast during this quarter. So plenty of podcast activity as well. I have to say, again, it's really quite funny because... I've told you I'm taking a little bit of a break over uh, summer just to uh, rearrange things, to catch up with things. Um, but it feels really odd to me not doing the podcast. I, I'd fitted them into my routine so well. And, you know, part of this summer break, really, what I suspect I may find from the summer break is, you know, actually I get more done the busier I am. So the more I've got on, probably the more I get done. 
Uh, that's what I suspect. I know that a lot of authors who go full time say, I used to get more done when I was at work. You know, I used to get more done when I was busier, when I had less time. And I suspect that's probably what I'm going to find over summer. I'm probably going to come back over summer. Not that I'm going anywhere over summer, you understand. But, you know, I'm probably going to come back and say, do you know what? I've got less done over summer. Um, you know, I'm better when I'm busier. And that's, I, I think already, uh, we're not even really started yet. That's what I think I'm probably going to discover from this. Anyhow, so loads of podcast episodes done in this quarter. Uh, I made a couple of visits. I went to see my mum. I went to see my wife's dad. Um, you know, that, that personal side is really important to me. And uh, I will always make time for family. That, you know, that's always my kind of bottom line. And our parents are getting older now. You know, my mum's 80 this year. My wife's dad is uh, 82, I think he is this year. Um, so, you know, it's, I think it's important um, to very proactively, um, which, which I do, I very proactively make time you know, to see, to see parents. Cause you know, at that age, you're not going to get, it's not going to be a surprise if you get a call in the middle of it. It's, it's going to be a surprise, but it's not going to be, you know, they're at a certain age. Uh, so you have to value that time. So I always make an effort to go and see my mum. I always make sure that uh, me and my wife get up to see her, her dad as well. So, um, so those were sort of personal visits as well. I did a couple of training courses this month. So if you remember this month, I stopped doing sort of corporate training, I, I throttled it back in favour of doing the New Writing North training. So I was working with the two authors. So I kind of had the income coming in, but I had it coming in from a different source. And I was very keen to get that connection with New Writing North. So I did, I've done two training days, uh, corporate training days this month. Um, I've done one on Facebook and one on WordPress. So I've got to tell you, by the way, I had uh, two great emails yesterday. I did a WordPress course, uh, was it two or three weeks ago? And I've got uh, WordPress sort of how-to videos that I've recorded for myself, and I've put them on the Alliance of Independent Authors. And I had two emails on the same day this week, which was great. One was from a, an attendee from the course I did, the corporate course I did a week or two ago, sending me a link to her finished WordPress website, saying, I love the course. That was brilliant. Look, I've built a website. I'm, you know, I'm just over the moon with this because I was going to pay two or three thousand pounds. I came on your course, which was, you know, whatever, whatever it was. And look, I got a website. I was going to pay a thousand or two thousand pounds for that. So this lady was absolutely delighted. She did a brilliant job. So I thought, was that my training? You know, you've done that through my training, but I love it. I love training when, you know, sometimes you do training. You think, there's no way you lot are going to do this work. You're not going to do this work. I know you're not. And, um, and then other times you get people, and I love it when I get people like this. I have so many people come back to me now saying, I did your training, you know, three years ago and it just completely changed what I did on my website. You know, I did what you said and it's blooming brilliant. I had a guy like that who's built quite a good business saying that to me. And it, you know, it's really gratifying when you teach people because you know, you know, you know, when you're a teacher, most of it's not going in. But uh, for those people for whom it goes in and they actually do something with it, it's really, really gratifying. So I had um, I had that lady showing me a site. It was a really good site. She's done a great job of it. Um, and then I had an author emailing me. And I don't know this chap. He'd found, I don't know where he'd found the, the video. He said, I just worked through your WordPress video online. And it's great. Look, I got an author website. I did exactly what you said. And I got an author website. And um, so both of those came in on the same day. So, um, you know, it's really great when training goes like that. And it's really strange that two of those similar email should have come in on the same day it was like somebody had stage managed it but um so there you go look if you want to know how to build a wordpress site i've got a book out there called wordpress unbox i've taken it off ebook now because frankly you need to buy that as a paperback you need to buy the paperback make notes in it and follow it as you go along so i've actually taken the ebook off now and um you know the pa- the paperbacks do well i make about a fiver on them and i've just had another good month with the mailchimp one you know the one i, I don't really market that sells itself 
Um, I'm, I'm, I'm selling, you know, I'm not selling huge numbers, but I'm really surprised. It's the most paperbacks I've ever sold with my Mailchimp book. That that goes particularly well. That book, and um, it's actually sort of you know becoming more and more responsible for money that's coming in every month. So that's been a little surprise for me too. Okay, so uh, the, the job that I didn't get done this month, and that I may actually get done over the weekend, it depends what I do over the weekend, because uh, there's still time to squeeze it in, was I'm wanting to move my Grid trilogy into Vellum. And I want to make a, just a tiny little change in the text to the Grid, um, just based on something that happened in uh, Phase 6, which links my worlds. It's only a line, but I just want to change it uh, in, in the Grid. But to, um, I did the Grid my, the old-fashioned way. So when I wrote the Grid, I wrote it in... Word. I uploaded the Word document to KDP Select. I downloaded the HTML file, made all the adjustments to the HTML file because I'm sickeningly geeky and could do that, and um, and then uploaded the HTML file, which was then inverted commas perfect. So um, that's how I did them in the old days. Now I want my whole back catalogue in develop. Uh, because it's much easier for me to update things dynamically and very, very quickly. So um, I want to make that little change in the grid, put it in Vellum, and then uh, you know re-upload it to, to KDP. So that's a little job I've got to do. It's not urgent, it's not pressing, uh, but that's the one thing I haven't got done. Number 11 on my list of things for this quarter was I did the North, uh, what's it called? The New Writing North Project. I've mentioned it just a, a few minutes ago. So I had to work six hours with two authors. So it was 12 hours work this. Um, but it took uh, six nights to deliver that work. And of course, um, you, you know, the, the, the beauty of that work was I got two interviews out of it. So you've already heard Miles, um, who was one of the people I was working with, one of the authors I was working with. And you're going to hear Peter uh, in a week or two. Um, I, I recorded Peter, br- brilliant interview. But when I was talking to both of them, I said, I got to talk to you. You know, your, your careers have been brilliant. I got to share this on my podcast. So I even got two interviews out of it. So how good's that? Uh, get paid for consultancy work. And get to interviews for the podcast. But I had to interview both of those guys that had brilliant experience. And the experience that was just slightly different, you know, I like to just go off piece a little bit sometimes. There's always that that self-publishing connection because Peter's self-published. He doesn't really know a lot about it, but he has books on sort of KDP Select. I don't think he knows how they got there, but he does. And Miles is moving into self-publishing. So, you know, it's really interesting to hear the different journeys, I think, and, and really... I, I'm kind of stretching my criteria on the interviews, really, uh, that they're they're becoming more and more, I guess, writing journeys rather than self-publishing journeys. But they all they all come back to self-publishing in some way, you know. So I'm I'm steering them back to the self-publishing um, and, and 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 the writing all the time. Anyhow, that's just a by the by. Let me have a slurp of tea. I'm going delirious without tea, and then uh, we'll get back to quarter two targets. It's interesting how. This tea gets progressively skanky as I'm talking. It it was hot straight out of the kettle when I came in, but it's now got a disappointing film on it. <laughs> so it's, it's not the nicest cup of tea, but I'm going to drink it anyway. Because as you know, I love me tea. Okay, so I've really enjoyed doing that New Writing North project. Um, it was really good. So uh, item number 12 is I had my GDPR changes to do. So I had, I had to make sure I was GDPR compliant across my sites. Now, again, this is a, a, something that's still in limbo. In that What I've got out there at the moment is fine for GDPR, but it's still not perfect. I haven't got my sort of onboarding sequences updated and things like that. So this is something I need to come back to. I use Thrive Themes for my email uh, marketing, Thrive Themes connected to MailChimp. So there is a phase two to this, but I just made sure I was good to go when GDPR came in so my holding position is fine but my holding position is not how I want to leave things I need to do a little bit more work on GD 
PR. So, but I got the main changes in in this quarter. Um, stand by for non-stop excitement. I also had tax returns to do, of course, for myself and my wife. So the uh, the self-assessment bits got done. Um, and I, I I've mentioned this before, and I know different softwares. Um, you know, different softwares suit different people. But I, I do know that we've got uh, making tax digital is on its way. The, the government keep fouling it up as they as they tend to do. And um, so they may extend it and extend it. But in, in the UK, um, as a business, you're going to have to submit and keep electronic records. Now, I did this a year or two ago because I was sick. I've been in business since 2008, I think, when I started my business. So I, you have to keep your records in case you get an inspection. So I got boxes full of records in the loft. And I used to, if you think how many transactions I do on PayPal, you know, tiny transactions and things, and I printed out receipts for all of those. I think a year or so ago, I thought, you know, what? You know I, 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 I got to, I got to sort this. I can't just keep printing receipts out. So I decided, I made a decision, a business decision to put everything in the cloud. And I get on really well. And I, I use it for sort of two elements of my life. I use, um, QuickBooks. Is it QuickBooks? Yeah, it's QuickBooks. Um, and it's it's actually and this is what's most suitable for for us as authors. It's um, the self employed version. I'm just trying to find it on my there we go. I found it on my screen. It's called QuickBooks self employed. It's a bit confusing because it's it's QuickBooks, but it's got Intuit logo on it. Intuit I N T U I T Intuit. Um, but it's brilliant. It, it basically pulls my PayPal account in and my business bank accounts. It pulls those in. And you just effectively just reconcile the numbers. You say, oh, this was travel expenses. This was telephony, whatever it was. And it creates your, your kind of your numbers for you at the end of the year. They're magically there. So long as you keep up with it. Um, so I, I sort of sit down maybe once a week, once a fortnight. I reconcile everything that's come in. Um, and then, and at the end of the year, my accounts are done. It's beautiful. So, um, I highly recommend it to you. Uh, and whether you like it or not, whether you come kicking and screaming into this, you're going to have to do this anyway in the UK, when the government brings in making tax digital. So um, that's why um, item number 13, fittingly, item number 13, is tax returns. Um, number 14 on my list was um, Don't Tell Meg, my book bub submission. And if you remember, it's funny how disappointment comes and goes, isn't it? Because I was thinking, oh, yeah, I can submit to BookBub again this month. And, uh, you know, if they give me another BookBub, that's going to be another, you know, six months of, of kind of assured higher income and they knocked me back they knocked me back god damn it um what a disappointment that was which i've strangely recovered from already uh, and i'm making plans for the next book bub so I'll, I'll talk to you about that in a moment or two because i've been doing work on that this month um but i submitted and i got knocked back um i put my entry in for the richard and judy writing competition if you remember this was one of this is this is what i said to you last week that, you know often when i'm sort of feeling down down is not the right word uh What's the right word? You know, sort of kicked back, not back, not not doing as well as I should be. When I'm in that kind of frame of mind, often it spurs me to, I've always been like that. It spurs me then, you know, I kind of lick my wounds for a bit, and then I get up and I go and do something. And, and Richard and Judy was my reaction to that. I, I thought, right, bugger it. I know I'm not going to win the blasted thing, but I put in this competition entry and I'm taking from negative action, I'm turning this into positive action. So um, Richard and Judy was done. I'd had it on my board for ages. And then I thought, oh, I haven't really got time for this. And then in that kind of, that mood I was in, um, after the Amazon thing, I think it was, I thought, right, God damn it, I'm doing the blasted thing. I'm going to put the entry in anyway. You know, they'll knock me back, whatever. I'm putting the entry in because they accept self-publishers this year. So Richard and Judy got done. And actually, it helped. It was actually useful. Regardless of what happens with Richard and Judy, I, I, I expect to get 
the inevitable Dear John, because they seem to go a little bit more literary, a little bit more posh on that, uh, which I definitely are not. Um, but they, yeah, I, I got that in, but it helped me work out the end of the story because I had to write a full synopsis. So so if that's all I get from Richard Judy, at least it helped me work out the end of the story. I did another competition this month, the Deviant Minds competition. This is the one um, that's been quite controversial. This is the one about where no um, woman in the story gets beaten or you know murdered or something unpleasant happening to her. And I've put two entries in for this. I've forgotten what they are now. Oh, I know, One Fatal Error and Dead of Night. And um, so I've put two entries into that competition. I am quite interested in that because, um, uh, you know, as I've said to you before, I, my wife always sort of commends me on my female roles in my books. And um, I think the women tend to be the stronger characters in my books. Um, you know, they're often about they're often about the weakness of men, and their women are usually their strength in the books. Um, but my women are flawed too. You know, they're flawed. They're not perfect. Um, but the, I, I think that if, if anything, it'd be interesting for a psychologist to get hold of them, wouldn't it? Um, but I, I think the men tend to be the weaker characters, and the, the women tend to be the stronger characters in, in, in my book. So I was really keen to enter that because it's something I feel strongly about. I mean, I don't um, it's something I feel really strongly about actually. Um, at the podcast meeting, uh, I was at a table with a lady that I was talking to, and she t- started she started talking to me and saying that she'd been raped twice in her life. Um, and she said, do you, you don't, do you mind talking about that? I said, uh, no, I'm, I'm a journalist and I've heard it all. Don't you? I've heard it all. Believe me. I've heard everything you can think of as, as, as a journalist. And, um, and we were talking about that. And it's kind of, if you've got, um, you know, women, women in your life who we all have, it's something that scares the life out of me. Um, and it's funny. I felt more scared about it, um, with my wife when we were younger. Um, you know, probably because, I don't know, you feel less sure of your, your position in the world then. Um, but, you know, it's something that you, you kind of, you know, you fear for, for people that you cherish in your life. Um, so, so we, you know, we talked, we talked about that, uh, and, it, and it was interesting. You know, I, so what I love about journalism is that you can have sort of sensible, non-spurious kind of conversations with people about issues that you wouldn't normally get to talk about. So, but I don't put rape in my in my books. It, to me, it's um, I think I'm too sort of sensitive about it uh, in my life. I, I don't put it in. It's to me, it's not a thing for entertainment. And, and and rape scenes in films really disturb me. I find them really. Oh, I can't watch them. I hate them. They really they really disturb me and trouble me. Um, so I can't put that in my books. And I, I wouldn't put a rape scene in my book. Now I I, I do in my books. I have got. Um, it's not even the threat of rape, but I do I do put threat in. Because I think that's probably quite a common part of of life. That the, 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 not the threat of rape, but the, you know the threat of of men in, in women's lives. I do put that in. But like I had a domestic a violence storyline in one of the books, but I don't have the domestic violence in there. It's always suggested. It's something that Sarah Hardy said to me actually about um, the Forgotten Children that it deals with um, child abuse, but I don't have any of that in it. It's all done by suggestion, and I was really. You know, flattered from somebody of, of Sarah's, you know, thriller reading caliber, that she'd said how sensitively I'd handled that, that you knew what was going on, but I didn't say it. You know, it was all done through. I didn't have to describe it. So I am, I am quite sensitive about that stuff. That clearly this is the stuff of life. It's the stuff of thrillers, but I don't want to go into it in any detail. I personally sort of find it um, painful. You know, I don't. Like, I don't want to have torture and, you know, I don't like any of that stuff. It really, um, it's a science of human nature that sort of really troubled me 
and disturb me. But clearly in thrillers, you know, if you didn't have at least the threat of that, um, there's not going to be much that's thrilling, is there, <laughs> really? So in those two books I've entered for that competition, um, you know, there, none of that happens, none of that happens to women in any, any of my books, uh, really. Uh, and you certainly don't see it happening in the books, even if it's part of somebody's story or part, you know, you don't, don't hear about it in any kind of detail. So I, I did want to take part in that competition because I, I thought it's a really interesting proposal. Now, I know a lot of people have come out against it saying, you know, if we're going to reflect the danger that women find themselves upon if they, in or uh, that they find in their everyday lives, you know, we have to reflect society, that society. I totally agree with that. But I do think it's a really interesting exercise. You know, it, does, it, it just makes you sort of think about the role of women because I, I think really the premise of this competition is that, you know, most murders start with some poor old woman some something's happened to her something unpleasant's happened to her um you know usually that's usually how these dramas start and um and it just made me realize oh that doesn't happen in mine um might might are different so i I wanted to just have a go at that anyway but i'll let you know how we get on um but i did want to throw my hat in the ring with that um and then john i've got another competition on there i didn't realize i've done three this is a staunch competition i'm wondering whether i've got my Competitions mixed up. I can't even remember what that one is. What's a staunch competition? Does anybody know? Anybody know what I've entered? Well, I've did another competition. I can't even remember what it is, but I've entered it. Um, so good for me. <laughs> so I might get a prize. Who knows? I might get a runners-up prize. So I can't even remember entering. So anyhow, that's three competitions. Rich and Judy, Deviant Minds and Staunch. And I honestly can't remember one of them. I can't remember what it even is. But it'll be thrillers, I think. It must be thrillers. So um, item number 18 on my list is I went to the Progressive uh, Property Podcasting course, which I've also done. So that's quarter two. Uh, just one item that I've got to finish there, which is the grid going to Vellum, which I may or may not get done this weekend. And if I don't, it doesn't really matter. You know, I'll, uh, it, it'll just get carried forward to next week. So next week, on next week's diary, I will go through my quarter three targets. Now, this is going to be interesting because I'm taking, you know, I'm taking summer off. That's in air quotes. You know, I am working through the summer. But I, I've just relieved myself of this kind of relentless routine of podcast recordings. Re- really, that's what I've, I've just taken some time off podcasts for a little while. You're going to still get these diaries every week, um, but the, it's the interviews that will just quieten down. And as I say, I, I've said to you before, what this enables me to do, when I started this podcast, I'd always intended to have interviews. Um, I think I thought about the diaries, but they didn't come till later. And then I'd also wanted to do author boot camps where I kind of talk to you about author related things and tell you things that I know how to do. So for instance, you know, I could, I could make a WordPress website with my eyes closed, but I'm betting a lot of you listening to this wouldn't know where to start with that. So I'd always wanted to have a bit where I actually shared my knowledge. Um, so in the interviews, you hear author's knowledge, the, the knowledge of other authors. That's what we get from those. In the podcast diary, you kind of get what I'm doing, my failings and successes as I figure it out. And then I'd always intended to have kind of boot camps where I taught you stuff that I know, where I, I share my knowledge with you. Um, and, and so that I'd kind of, you know, that's kind of what I'd, I'd like to do. But I, I want to get the episode numbering sorted out. And so my my interview episodes are out of sync with my diary episodes. So by the time we sort of pick everything up as normal uh, on the 1st of October, and remember, to pick things up as normal on the 1st of October, I have to start recording and getting interviews in the pot in September, late August, September. So there's always a lead-in time with this stuff. That That's really how it's going to work. But it just helps me with my episode numbering as we move forward 
with the podcast. So I know that's something you don't need to, to worry yourself about, but it does help me on a kind of strategic and day-to-day level, having this little break, as well as from a, a kind of a just working out what I how I want to manage things going forward. Okay, so let's get to general news. Actually, let's not do that. Let me have some of this skanky tea that I'm drinking before I do that. It's it's like, it's kind of half warm, half cold now. It's really, it's not an attractive cup of tea now, really. It really isn't, but I'm going to drink it anyway. I'm going to battle on with it. That really isn't pleasant now. Okay, so let's get on to the general news. Um, I did one of my, on my last email of the month, my June email. And if you remember, I'd, I'd been having a bit of a tizz again about my email, saying I don't really know why I do this. I'm not doing very well with it. And uh, Cueve McDonald reached out and uh, just said, uh, what's working for me really well is just very personal emails, not selling the books. And I had a, I brought my internet marketing background with me on this in that, when we were internet marketers, we just used to go thrash, 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 sell, sell, sell. That's great for internet marketing. That's how it worked. Uh, and to a certain extent, still as authors, you could deploy that. But there really, there was no value in my emails, I didn't think. I didn't, I didn't think I'd found my kind of voice or my, my thing yet with my author emails. So anyhow, I've got some um, results to report back to you. Now, remember, I had a, uh, an email list of, I think it was, f- I can't remember, 4,500. You probably know this better than I do. 4,500 before GDPR. I went through and deleted people who hadn't opened. I think I did it over about 30 days at the end. I think I cut it right back. So my email list is about um, two and a half thousand, I think, at the moment. I have done nothing to build it since GDPR. I'm doing nothing at all, not until I do those last GDPR changes that I need to. So I'm just sitting there with a list at the moment that I'm not building and it has been pruned. So when I sent my email out the other day, I got, wait for it, a 52% open rate on the first email. And then I did a what's called an automated resend in MailerLite. I love that MailerLite does that. You can set it, it, with most um, email marketing tools. You have to go in and you have to sort of go back in manually to do a resend to the people who didn't open it first time. Whereas with MailerLite, it's brilliant. You just set it up first time. And, and I just set mine up. I think the main email went out on Sunday, and I scheduled the, the follow up on the Wednesday. I just completely forgot all about it. it. Just does it all for me. So fifty-two percent opens on the first email. 20% open rates of the second email. Now, I don't know what kind of open rates you're getting, but I can tell you from internet, my internet marketing days, they're good open rates. Um, that's very good open rates. And um, I'm very pleased with it. I was very surprised at the 52%. So what I hope that tells me is that I have a, a more focused um, subscriber on my list now, bearing in mind I'm paying for them. They're more sort of focused. They're more engaged with what I'm saying that they want to hear what I'm saying. They want to open the emails because they feel that they're worth opening now. So I'm pretty happy with those open rates. I was definitely not getting open rates like that before I made all of these changes. So I'm going to continue with that strategy, and I highly recommend it to you. And you'll have heard me talking about Adam Nichols, um, who has had that remarkable success recently, that remarkable turnaround success. One of the things that Adam cited in his list of things that he'd changed was he's doing weekly personal emails, weekly personal emails. And I immediately went to subscribe to them to see what he's doing. And he's kind of doing what I'm doing every week. So there's less, there's less in the email, maybe about three items in each weekly item, in each weekly email. But it's exactly the same as I'm doing. Um, just, just gossip. So, um, at the moment, I don't want to take on any more work, but maybe one of the things I might have to consider is maybe doing that weekly and sort of making them briefer, but weekly. But I'm just going to run it for the next quarter. I'm going to make the monthly email still because it's working for me and I'm quite happy with it and I can manage that kind of workload. Um, so I've done a lot of work this week 
Now, this is kind of what I want to be doing over summer, just all these things that I need to be catching up with. So um, I can't remember what order it started. Oh, I know. I started to change the covers for the Don't Tell Meg trilogy because I got those new covers from Stuart Beige. So I thought, right, they, I need to put those on uh, Kindle on Amazon. And when I did that, I, I didn't realize, I can't remember what made me do it, but I, I kind of pressed the button for the paperbacks. And then I realized how easy it is. I, I don't think I'd ever, I hadn't, I must have heard it, but I didn't know you could do this. All my earlier books are on Create Space. Uh, up to the last two, I think, they're on Create Space. And for some reason, I was playing about in the last week, and I realized how easy it is to migrate your old books from Create Space. I, I don't know what I thought would happen. I thought I would have to sort of delist them on Create Space and then relist them on um, the KDP Select board. And, and actually, that's not what you do. You just put the ISBN in to claim the book from create space and it ports it over completely and it's a really good system um so i was all over that i was all over that bringing my books in um i thought fantastic we'll have a bit of this so i've moved my books in from create space over to the kdp select dashboard which is far more convenient for me to be honest with you um so that worked really well um the other thing i did in the past week is um so my next strategy for a book bub I'm, i can claim another book bub on monday next week so the 2nd of july is my 30-day period from the last time I applied for a book bub. And I wanted to offer books a bub, something uh, substantially different this time. So when I when I pitch for book bub for Don't Tell Meg this time, all the books, well, I'm only pitching Don't Tell Meg, but the book will have a new cover and I've listed it wide now. So what I've been doing this week is listing my books wide. The ones that I can have got listed wide. So I have been listing on draft to digital. But as I said to you, uh, previously, again, long-term listeners of this uh, diary will know, I've always wanted to list my books um, native, that's the word I'm looking for, native on Kobo. So previously, I used to list through Kobo via draft to digital through a syndication service, but actually I've always wanted to have my books just on Kobo. Um, for a silly reason, really, is that Kobo gives you this lovely little map of where people buy your book, and I, I want to have the excitement of a map I get it for the podcast. I can see where people download the podcast all over the world. It's ever so exciting. And I want to get that with my book. So um, now I've always had technical troubles with Kobo, but this is the first time I've listed my books from Vellum. And when you use Vellum uh, and you output the books, I, I love, I know I keep telling you, but I love Vellum. Just buy the blasted thing. Whatever you're doing, stop it and buy Vellum because it's brilliant. And um, so when you, when you output your books on Vellum, it gives you a Google Play version, a Kobo version. It gives you what's called a generic EPUB version, which is what you list on Draft the Digital, just a generic EPUB that, that looks fine on all the services. So um, because I've got these bespoke Kobo files now, um, they just upload and I have no technical problems with it at all. Absolutely fantastic. So Kobo has now become a dream. It's a dream come true, everybody. So I've been listing the books on Kobo. I think I'm still waiting for the grid to come out of um, KDP Select. And I may keep it in there, actually, but I can't list uh, the grid yet. But the secret bunker's gone wide again. I, th I think I think that's right. And uh, all my all my thrillers have gone wide, except Who to Trust, which is still in KDP Select for its kind of initial launch period. The other thing I've done is um, because Don't Tell Meg sort of sells well and people seem to like it, I decided to put it in Ingram Spark as well because I want to. I'm going to have a punt at getting it into local bookshops, actually. Uh, so I have put the Secret Bunker 1 in Ingram Spark so that the Secret Bunker people could buy it through a third party. 
and they bought incidentally they bought 30 books again this this week i think it was so this week or last week sent me an email and they bought 30 books for the bookshop and uh, something i hadn't realized uh, sorry I, I know i keep going all over the place like this those of you in the uk remember ronnie corbett's soliloquies i always feel like ronnie corbett you know going off at tangents and things like that all i need is a comfy chair and i'll be like ronnie corbett um but i was reading reviews which i'll talk to you about in a minute and i'm the secret bunkers one of their best-selling books in the shop. I hadn't realised that, but I was reading reviews and um, The Secret Bunker had read it and they'd put that it was one of their uh, best-sellers in the shop. So that's nice. Um, and they constantly order, they order 30, sell them, order 30, sell them, all through the summer season. It's great. And I really value that support. But anyhow, they did ask me last year, you know, can, can we get these at cost price? And to be honest with you, I don't, they, they're now selling book one. So I, I'm quite happy to let them have that almost as a loss leader, you know. So we you know when you um, list on Ingram Spark, people like it, sale or return, which I won't get from the secret bugger. They sell them all, and um, so there's no risk to be there, and with 55% discount. And I, I make about 20p on a book on Ingram Spark. So previously I'd rejected that, but you know I think there's so much value to me being listed in the secret bunker shop is I don't care if I make no profit on those books because they're selling book one they've obviously worked out that book one's the best one to sell because they don't get lumbered with extra copies that way you know sell the first in series and um and then of course I get the sales anyway from book two and three so I I don't lose from that at all it just they just introduce an audience to me so um I was a bit slow on the uptake with that one so um I, I need what I need to do is do everything I can to make it easy for them to buy those first books. And, you know, and I don't care if I only make 20 people book because I get the read on books two and three. I make the profit on those books, which they don't sell in the bookshop. They did, they did it at first. They bought 30 of each, I think. But I think, you know, like everybody, we try stuff and they've worked out that actually probably some people will buy the whole trilogy, but they probably find that most people buy book one and that's why they, they sell more of book one. And they say that suits me fine. Um, so I need to help them and that's why I'm back on Ingram Spark. By the way, um, Ingram Spark. You get discount codes from the Alliance of Independent Authors. And let me tell you, that's been worth a fortune to me. I think I've listed about 10 books on Ingram Spark this week, and I haven't had to pay for any of them. I think they're about £40 a time if you don't get that. So if you're not a member of the Alliance of Independent Authors yet, you will more than save your membership, as well as get access to a, you know, a brilliant outlet, a brilliant source of support and information. But you'll save your money on your Ingram Spark listings. I think if you do two listings, you've saved your money. So I've more than had my value for my Alliance of Independent Authors uh, membership this year. Um, and I continue to keep thrashing it. It's a really good offer, that. Um, okay, so uh, Rachel Amphlett, who is a crime writer. We've had uh, Rachel, I think she's been on the podcast three times now and will be on again because she just keeps doing better and better and better. Um, so Rachel will be back. I can promise you that because she's doing such great things. Um, but Rachel had um, uh, posted on uh, Twitter this week and I wanted to recommend to you her um, video diary. She, she'd done a, lots of little... Uh, shots from a phone and edited them together so it's rachel's equivalent if you want of my podcast diary it was just a um a, a short video updating her readers on what she'd been up to as an author and i had a look at that the other day that's really good that it's really simple it's really good um and, it, and very good for readers so i'll put a link to that on the show notes so do check out uh, rachel on my show notes and i put a link to her twitter post there and you can watch the video but i'm recommending that to you as a sort of potential uh, author tool to 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 connect with your audience better because it was a great idea rachel so thank you for sharing that 
Um, John Evans, uh, it's really interesting how people sort of communicate with me with this podcast. And, and if you ever read a podcast, make sure you put it on YouTube. I have so many people talking to me through YouTube, through the YouTube comments. I never would have thought that happened, but some people just prefer to listen on YouTube, and that's absolutely fine by me. But if you have a podcast, you don't use YouTube. Um, I would recommend you correct that because I get a lot of views from YouTube and it sends a lot of traffic to the site. Um, but John Evans um, connected with me on YouTube. Now, John, I met at 20 books to 50K. And I've just said to him, <laughs> you're now on my radar, John. You're coming on the podcast. When I, I've got a list here, a big list of people. I've called it my podcast prospects of people that I want to interview for the podcast as guests. And John just made it to that list because he was just writing the note. Very, you know, Again, one of these notes just reaching out saying, you know, sorry to hear that you were a bit in the doldrums and just um, offering you know, tips, words of advice. Uh, tools and techniques and john uh, writes with his brother which on its own is very interesting um i think as a story but john said he's been writing to market they've re put different covers on their books they've revised their books and he's just had his first two thousand dollar month with his brother and i said right okay that's it you're on you know most of us um you know i'd set two thousand pounds is my number a month i want two thousand pounds a month but you know two thousand dollars i would equally be happy with uh, and to be, and, and obviously, I want that in a secure way, month in, month out. So I've had good numbers with my book bub, and, and actually, I, I, had, I was paid by Amazon yesterday, and again. So how many months is it since I had my book bub? It was we had it at the end of October, so November, December, January, February, March, April, May. So May was that was no June? That was June's payment, wasn't it? June's payment. Eight months after my book bub. I still earn more than my wife. I'm still earning more than my wife does on her part-time, term-time job. So, um, and I earn more in yesterday's payout than I thought I was going to. So, it's a tangible amount. But that's that's the knock-on. It seems to be a sort of permanent knock-on from that book bub. So, I had four thousand pounds in the month of the book bub, and then it went to whatever it did. Was it two? thousand one thousand so i knew it would degrade but the kind of core earnings seem to be around that kind of 500 this is 500 net by the way not gross this is 500 in the bank um you know that's profit um all my figures i'm giving you are a profit not not gross so they're not the inflated figures they're the what goes into my pocket figures um so that, you know, that there has been a definite knock, knock on from the book, but I, you know, I won't pretend I could do with what I could do with is a, you know, a really good income month would, would really help me at the moment rather than the dribs and drabs kind of months where it's, you know, I know it's good. I'm quite happy with it. You know, I am sort of happy with it at one level, but it still ain't quite good enough, is it? It's not, it's not really good enough to change anybody's life. Um, so John, and as I say, has, has done a kind of right to market strategy and has had a, a $2,000 month which is great. So, John, you are on my radar, sir. Uh, you know, you have a success story. Many, many people will want to hear that story. Um, I want to hear that story. <laughs> I want to hear how you did it too, because most of us, uh, myself included, would be very, very happy with $2,000 a month. That's a magic, you know, it's a magic number. It's a great number. Many, Most people will be happy with, you know, when you start, you're happy with 100. Then you're happy with 500. Then you're happy with 1,000. Then you're happy with 2,000. Then you want 5,000. Then you want 10,000. Okay. When I get to 10,000, when I get to, no, when I get to 2,000 pounds, I'm happy. Anything over 2,000 pounds, I'm beginning to get ecstatic. Okay. So just, just to, just frame those figures. But that's got to be 
You see, I'm, I'm looking at replacing salary income here. I don't want fits and starts. I'm happy with fits and starts. Of course I am. But I can't live on fits and starts. I, I need the baseline to go up. So I can say, okay, it's great. That baseline now is at £2,000 a month. I don't need to work for anybody anymore. You know, I could just, that's it. I could live by my writing now. And that, that's why you hear me fussing about that number because that allows me to walk away, gives me plenty of security in the writing. But I have to know that's an ongoing figure, not a fluke figure. That, that, that's why I'm kind of, you know, getting agitated about it because I want to hit that number week in, so not week in, week out, month in, month out. So, John, thank you for that. Appreciate that. You are provisionally booked for the podcast. I'll, when I start rebooking people at the end of August, you will be getting an email from me, sir, uh, to get you booked in. Um, Amelia D. Hay, another former guest of this show, uh, was also listening to the podcast diary. Amelia, thank you very much for your email. Uh, a lot of these were kind of private notes. So where they're not kind of public notes, I'll just sort of summarize them rather than, than, than read them. But Amelia was basically saying, you know, you write across two genres. Actually, I write across three genres. I mean, nonfiction sci-fi and thrillers and you know as Amelia was saying you know it just if you're across different genres it takes slightly longer to you know to, to build that up and she was also talking about another podcast the science fiction fantasy marketing podcast where that I think they talk quite a lot about um, comparing yourself to other authors who are doing something different to you so thank you very much for that Amelia it's uh, Thank you very much for continuing to listen to the podcast. I know that Amelia has her own podcast as well. If you want to listen to another author's updates, and I don't think you'd ever get enough of this stuff, Amelia has her own podcast. Highly recommend that you check that out. Uh, Sarah Painter got in touch. Big fan of Sarah. Uh, Sarah's done a wonderful, wonderful book on sort of author mindset. And Sarah, I'm sorry, but I have a memory like a sieve and I can't remember the title of it. And I've read it and I've reviewed it and it's great. Look look, look for Sarah Painter on, on Amazon, but she's done a great uh, book on author mindset actually i should have been rereading your book uh, sarah shouldn't i really uh, recently but i'd retweeted something that sarah had done and she reached out to me and she was just um, saying you know thanks for doing the uh the, the kind of painful episodes that we've had over the past few weeks and, and that's really i've got that from all of you thank you you know kind of appreciation of that and, and sort of empathy with the pain um and, and uh, Sarah's booked me in as a guest on her show, <laughs> probably because I'm now emanating the kind of angst, worry, self-doubt that um, sort of Sarah deals with on her podcast. I'm probably giving out the right vibes now. Uh, but, you know, is it really important? A lot of the time, you know, you hear me say, oh, that's another 5,000 words. Oh, that's 10,000 words this week. And I, I don't ever want you to just hear the good stuff because I'm deceiving you if you only hear the good stuff. You know, if you only hear me say, oh, yeah, another 10,000 words done this week, it's so easy, everybody. Okay, you know, as I said to you, I'm good at the productivity, but I do suffer from this self-doubt. Sarah just said, um, you know, you're doing really well compared to most traditional authors. Uh, Sarah's hybrid now, and I think it's been a bit of an eye-opener for Sarah um, going hybrid and sort of seeing what you can earn as a, as a self-published author. And she's, she's saying, you know, you think you're not very successful, but you're doing so well in comparison with many traditional authors. I, well, I, you know, I, and I, I know that, Sarah, because I've, I've talked to so many um, traditional authors. So, um, you know, that's really interesting. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be on Sarah's podcast. We got it booked in. And, it, you know, like it's one of those things. It's like, you know, ooh, wouldn't it be nice to be on Joanna Penn's podcast? Wouldn't it be nice? But you want to be invited. You don't want to invite yourself on. And I've thought that about Sarah's podcast. So it'd be really nice to be invited. But I don't want to invite myself on. Uh, so it's really nice to be invited as a guest on Sarah's podcast. And it's one of my, it's on my, you know, podcast queue. 
And whenever it comes in on my feed, I think, oh, great, Sarah's done another podcast. I always listen to it straight away. So that's another resource that I recommend that you listen to. We're all kind of doing our own thing. Um, there's, there's room enough for everybody because we're all coming to it in our own way. And I get value from all of these podcasts and, and everybody's insights. Um, I also want to thank uh, Edwin Downward. Uh, Edwin's really sort of active listener. It's great this. Edwin always sends me a, um, um, I don't know where you were. You look like you're at some docks or something. You certainly buy some water, Edwin. And um, Edwin's in Canada, I think. Sorry if I got that wrong, Edwin. My memory and my geography are appalling. Um, you know, my kids the other day, they all sat down at the table and they were having a competition with each other. And two of them have got like um, amazing memories. And they were drawing an atlas of the world from memory. It's absolutely astonishing. I thought, well, I sometimes wonder whether I'm their dad. Because <laughs> there's no way I could do that. And actually, my wife says the same thing. It's like, how do you do that? And two of them drew amazing, you know, loads of countries in in the former USSR and things that I haven't even heard of some of these countries. And they're putting these maps in. So anyhow, they don't get their geography skills from me, let's put it that way. Um, so apologies, Edward, if I got it wrong. But thank you for your participation in the podcast. Um, Edward has been uh, showing where he's listening to my podcast and to say my geography and my knowledge of the world isn't so great that I'm able to work out where it is but it looks to me like it's like a, a, a ferry terminal or something I can see a railroad there looks like you're in a slip lane to board a ferry or something that's what it looks like to me um, but thank you very much Edward and if you are somewhere very interesting right now and you're listening on your phone take a picture and share it with me because I love to see where you're listening oh by the way I must mention this too Oh, I haven't put this on the notes. I'm sorry about that. I thought I'd done this on the notes. I must mention Nick Firmage this week. And I hope I've got Nick's surname right. Let's just have a quick look. Hang on, I need to go to the notes. You know what I'm like with names? Yeah, Nick Firmage. Um, Nick Firmage is Rachel Amphlett's other half. And I met them both in the UK. That's primarily actually why I went to Crime Fest. I went to, to meet Rachel this year in person because I'd spoken to her so many times. It's really the reason I went this year. And... Um, and I met her other half, who's writing sci-fi. And, um, we, you know, we had, and I write sci-fi too. And uh, Nick, when he's in, the, in, the, um, in Australia, he does sort of driving to, to earn some money. And um, he says, oh, you should, he showed me on his phone. This is where I'm driving when I listen to your podcast. I mean, this is really, if you watch Skippy the Bush Kangaroo when you were a kid, I grew up on Skippy the Bush Kangaroo, and that was my view of Australia, the sort of Australian outback. It's Skippy country. You know, you just you expect Skippy to come bounding across the road. It's real Australian outback stuff. And, and Nick drives a truck. Um, you know, doing. Um, I think I think you said medical deliveries, Nick. Um, and he's doing these deliveries. You know, right out in the wild. So in Australia, uh, where have I heard this before? They actually have. I think the teachers. Some some kids live so rurally. The teachers either teach by radio. They probably do it by podcast these days, but they do it over the radio. Or they, they have flying doctors. Don't there's a series called The Flying Doctors where they fly. And I think the teachers even fly in sometimes as well. And, and Nick's kind of working in this country. And he just showed me some photographs of, of how he listens to the podcast. I think it, it kind of scares away the, uh, the is it emus, I think. Was it emus you have that attack you? I think they run alongside the car sometimes. He said it's a really frightening experience the first time it happens. And uh, the kangaroos, he puts the podcast on loud to, to frighten off the wildlife, I think, when he's driving in the outback. Um, but it's really interesting to see where people listen to you. So anyhow, uh, Nick's been sort of listening for ages and it was great to meet him. Um, Nick, you're coming on the show too. Nick's a first-time writer. He's got an expert sort of mentor in the form of, of Rachel Amphlett, his other half. And, you know, Rachel's doing amazing things now. 
And uh, you imagine having a mentor like uh, Rachel sort of sitting at the kitchen table with you. Um, so, but uh, Nick, Nick's writing in a different genre. He's writing in sci-fi. Uh, we had loads in common. You know, we, we both love, you know, if you're into this kind of stuff, uh, Babylon 5, and obviously we all love Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, you know, these wonderful old spaceships. Uh, we're having a conversation about that. So, um, so Nick, you know, when you start releasing your books in February next year, or whenever you're ready to talk to me, I'm all over it. All right. I want to get you on as a first time writer and, and hear what you're doing with that. And I was sending Nick a link for, for some, you know, brilliant spaceship, uh, covers, uh, this week. So have a look at the resources for this page and you'll see those brilliant photographs that Nick's sent me and you'll see a photograph of us, um, photographed together at Crime Fest this year. And you know, I, I, I'm not a tall guy, but I'm not a short guy either. And I don't usually feel short. But when I was with Rachel and Nick, I felt really tiny. Um, I, I felt really small. There's, there's another group. There's a little internet marketing group of guys that I'm with. And when I'm with these three, I never feel small in my life. But when I'm with these internet marketing guys, I feel tiny because they're all really tall compared to me. And you'll, you'll, see, you'll see, you know, Nick could put me in his pocket and walk away with me. I'm so small in this photograph. I, I never usually feel small like that. Uh, but I did when I was standing next to, to, to Nick and Rachel. Anyhow, it was great to meet you guys. And um, I can't remember whether I'm allowed to share you. I'm not going to share your news because I'm not sure whether it's still embargoed. But uh, I look forward to seeing you at events in the UK. That's all I'm going to say. And I hope everything is going very well for you. Okay, that's it um, from me. Blimey, we've gone over an hour. Sorry about that. Um, but there was lots of stuff to share with you. Next week, I will be doing my quarter three review. So I'll be telling you what I've got planned over summer. Where does quarter three take me? Up to the end of September. So it's going to take me through to um, basically when everybody's back to school, you know, when everything picks up after the summer. So I'll tell you what my plans are then, because, of course, I'm, I'm probably not going to be writing over summer. Um, next week, we have an interview next week, Monday, the 2nd of July. It is with the amazing Wendy Jones. Now, Wendy's been on my radar for ages, but I was actually sat with her at 20 Books of 50K. So when we went to 20 Books of 50K. I was sat in a row with a lovely bunch of ladies. And um, as you do, I, I take their cards and say, you come in on the podcast. <laughs> this is what I do. I'm like a nice stalker, a friendly, cuddly stalker in that I kind of take people's calling cards and say, right, you're coming on the podcast. You've got a great story to tell me. So I collect all these cards and you all go onto a list called Podcast Prospects. Uh, and I, I sort of, you know, eventually I get around to, to reaching out to you. And, and Wendy, um, I'd said at 20 Books of 50K, we've got to talk, Wendy. I need to talk to you. And we recorded the interview a couple of weeks ago. Wendy's brilliant. She's a Scottish writer. Uh, she, what an amazing life she's had. Just a brilliant life. She was in the uh, she was in the army. Uh, wait till you hear her story about uh, being chased through the jungle. Just, you know, great, great experience that she brings into her uh, writing. And um, yeah, great. Uh, just a really enjoyable uh, interview. A lot of laughs in that interview. In fact, the next two interviews, uh, Peter Mortimer's the, the interview afterwards. A lot of laughs coming in the next um, interviews. Um, they're just you know just a, a good time uh, had by all. I think in those interviews, it's the kind of interview I like. Where there's a lot of laughs. So um, Wendy Jones is coming up on Monday the second of July. Uh, I hope by the time we speak next week that I should have another ten thousand words written so that should take me up to 80,000 words and the home straight of so many lies but I'll let you know in next week's Paul's podcast diary thanks ever so much for listening I hope you're having a fantastic week of writing in spite of the heat if you're listening to this in the UK or wherever you are in the world and I'll catch you next Saturday bye-bye for now thanks for listening to Paul's podcast diary make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update 
and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.